overseas things are going to be way different than what they're used to in the state. So they can't come overseas with a closed mind and not be open or wanting to get their wanting to get to know their teammates or just interact with other people outside of the people that they're used to interacting with on a day to day, other Americans. Yeah, I don't know. The work ethic one for me is kind of just the end all be all. Like you just have to be ready to work and and that's really that's it. Just be want be willing to get better and be coachable too. Even if you think you know more than a coach, always be coachable because there's always things to learn. Another season in the books, the podcast featuring European professional athletes who pursue their university degrees at home or in the United States. We'll talk about the ups and the downs, the pros and the cons. We'll hear from each athlete as they talk about their journey through academics and athletics. I'll also be talking to coaches and getting their opinion on the subject as well. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 11-year veteran in Spain's professional basketball leagues, Liga Femenina 2 and La Liga Endesa. Let's get to it! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another season in the books. This week, we hear from another globetrotter in Robin Parks. Robin is from Maryland, where she grew up playing sports with all the boys in the neighborhood, along with her older brother. Basketball ended up being her favorite sport after finding out football wasn't going to be an option. She accepted a scholarship from VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, and played for four years as a Ram. After college, Robin had the chance to attend a couple different WNBA training camps, but for a couple different reasons, her young self decided not to accept their invitations. Life after college has since taken Robin to a handful of different places, including the Canary Islands in Spain, Hungary, Logroño, Poland, Barcelona, Valencia, and Angola, Africa. Robin is in her sixth year as a professional and is continuing to improve her game, learn about herself, travel, and meet new people. She's appreciative of the American college system and the opportunity she had to play while getting her degree. She hopes to play for several more years, but thinks about getting into the field of cybersecurity when she finally hangs up her sneakers. Here she is from sunny Valencia. Hey, Robs. How's it going? <laughs> Leslie, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I am great. Uh, thank you for tuning in from uh, Valencia. Yeah, um, no problem. And before we get started, uh, I was thinking about this today. Do you remember the very first time we met? I don't know. Do I Come on, Robs. Wait, we, we, took, we took that picture, didn't we? We took a picture, right? <laughs> Well, I showed up yes. to the airport. Yes, we were on the same plane. <laughs> yes, you were on the same plane. <laughs> I showed up to the airport. I think, was it the airport in Spain or was it, were we still in the U.S.? No, I think we were in the U.S. and we were on the same flight to Spain. Okay, because I, yeah. I saw you sitting there with like your suitcases and I don't know if I could see that it said VCU on the suitcase or not. But I'm like looking at you like she's got to be my teammate. And so I just <laughs> went over and said hi. <laughs> Def- I definitely that remember was, that. That was the first time we met. The rest is history. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah, wow. because you, like, I remember when I had signed and then I saw you were coming. So I just looked you up online and I saw that you were from VCU. That was mm-hmm. where you went to 
school. And the new gopher coach at the University of Minnesota had just come from VCU. Oh, that's right. Coach Marlene did. Yo, yeah. Did so it was kind of like a small world. So I was like, oh my gosh, weird. That's a random connection. Um, Crazy. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Because you looked at me. I think I, I must have extended my hand like, are you driving? <laughs> It's crazy because I was looking at you telling like, man, she's big. She's tall enough to be a hooper. So I wonder like if she's my teammate. But then when you came over, I was like, okay, she's definitely my teammate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, you don't always remember like the very first time you meet someone. And I definitely yeah. remember that. So <laughs> yeah, um, that was a good way to meet. That was, yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. 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 But anyway, getting on to the interview, tell us about your first uh, sports memory as a little kid. All right. So my first sports memory would be my dad taking my brother and myself to the gym to watch him play. And I used to be so mad because I wanted to be out there playing, too. <laughs> so he would always be like, OK, like during halftime. Well, I didn't know what halftime was. I'm young. But basically, he's like, when they're when we're not on the court, you can be on the court. So every chance I got, I'm just running on the court and shooting the ball. Even if it was just an out-of-bounds play, my dad would get so mad, like, you can't come out here yet. <laughs> but I was always just so anxious to do what I saw my dad doing when I was little. So that's right. how I got into the whole basketball thing. Is your brother older or younger? No, my brother's two years older than me. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you grew up in a sports-minded family. For sure. Yo, my dad, all about sports. My brother also... My mom, she didn't really play sports. Well, she ran track, but she quit. But she watches <laughs> she watches sports, too. So it's like, yeah, just a big sports family. Okay. Good old Eileen. Give a yeah, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Love that I lady. Her, yeah, I have to let her listen to this. She gave her a shout out. <laughs> I mean, track is still a sport, but dang. Yeah, I mean, it is. That's a lot of mental toughness right there. That's why she quit. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh um okay so you I mean you grew up your whole like since you're a little playing basketball uh yeah. when when do you think you started really taking it seriously all right so nobody probably knows this about me but I really wanted to play football I think I would have chose if I if I could have I would have chose football over basketball. But uh, once I realized that girls didn't really play football, that's when I started <laughs> taking basketball <laughs> seriously. <laughs> so about I want to say probably like middle school, yeah, like middle school. But I've been playing organized basketball since I was like six. But yeah, yeah taking it serious, like yeah, probably like middle school, eighth and grade, as a matter of fact. Playing against your older brother, I'm sure. Of course. I only really played against guys because that's all that was in the neighborhood that I grew up in. It was just guys. It was like one other girl, but I was like, I was not a lot. Well, I was a lot better than her. And I don't mean that in any, in like a cocky way, but you know. So yeah, yeah. I just always played with the guys and I could keep up with them. So I was like, oh, okay. So I must be, I must be all right. Like, right. Well, and girls tend to grow sooner than guys. So were you taller than your brother growing up until you guys Absolutely. got to a certain Absolutely point? Absolutely not. No, my brother has know. always been. Nah, he's always been taller than me. Okay. Yep, always. Hmm. That's actually interesting. I didn't know that girls grew faster than guys. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we tend to mature earlier. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Just a two-year difference. I was just curious to know, like, if you were actually bigger than your brother, but... 
I wish. <laughs> no, um, never. So then you get into high school. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about like the recruiting process and what was that like for you? Like, do you remember when you started receiving your first letters? I want to say, cause I was a late bloomer. I didn't play, start playing AAU until I was like a sophomore. You know, girls coming up, they usually start playing AAU when they're like really small. So I had a late start. I didn't play till like my sophomore year of high school. And then it's like, as soon as I start playing, I started getting letters but from like little, like little schools. Like, well, I got a bunch of men major schools. I didn't really have big, big offers, but I started to get letters from um, like NJIT, Dayton, LaSalle, schools like that, you know, Delaware, um, George Mason, but just a bunch of men majors. And um, I actually ended up going to VCU because that's where my older brother went. And he was a practice player for the women's team. I had no idea what a VCU was until he went there. Then he said one day he was at practice and the coach was like, do you got a sister named Robin? And he was like, yeah. He was like, yo, we want her to come here. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man, that's that's crazy. So, yeah, I took a visit there, and the rest is history, man. Like, you know, my brother and I are best friends. So if he's somewhere and I got a chance to go there for free, that's without a question. That's where I'm going. They were the first school to offer me a full scholarship. So, yep, the rest that is history. That is really interesting. I, I wonder yeah. how often that has happened. Like, that's got to be kind of a – a unique story. I've never heard anything like that, that an older yeah. brother was a scout guy. And yep. then <laughs> yep. what a small world. Yeah. So then, crazy. Was he, was he a scout guy when you eventually got there? No, I wish. No, nope. he stopped being a scout the year I came as a matter of fact. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, my freshman year, he stopped when he was a junior. I can't imagine if my brother was on the scout team. Oh, it would have been better practice. It, Yo. I probably would have lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they for sure would have. They would either have to make him stop being a scout player or I would have had to leave because it would have been bad. It would have been wars in that gym <laughs> every yeah. practice. My brother would not have taken it easy on me. He probably, sure. <laughs> you know, without wanting to, he probably would have injured me or something. Yeah, but that's that's their job, I feel like, to make us better. So For sure, for sure. But, yeah. you know, as a brother, you've got a, he's got his, his pride he's got a chip on exactly. his, his ego yeah. do something, you know exactly especially not in front of everybody else so. exactly yeah. oh that's that's neat I did not know that um yep. so how was that jump from high school to college for you on the court and off the court as far as like workouts intensity balancing school was Man. it way more than you expected definitely way more than I expected um First of all, our first conditioning session in college, oh my goodness, I think I was ready to cry. I had never experienced such an intense training in my life. Like, you know, like you hear people talk about it, like, you know, it's going to be hard work at the next level, but I feel like until you're actually in that position, you really don't know how hard they're talking about. Like, I don't think I was prepared, honestly, like mentally not prepared, physically not prepared. Like, it was really just a huge jump. Um, and school-wise, too, you know, because in high school, you basically, like, you have your parents there telling you, like, what to do, where to be at certain times. But in college, you you got to make your own schedule, and you got to know how to really manage your time in between, like, practices and stuff, trying to get work done. So it definitely was a huge adjustment. Some days I really would not feel like going to class, and so I would not go. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I didn't have to, and I was tired. <laughs> it definitely was a big adjustment for me. Did you guys ever have coaches like popping into your classes to see for who was sure. there? Okay, well, my first my first two years, they would threaten us like, you know, we have class checks or whatever. But you know, you kind of the longer you're there, you kind of learn the system. Like, oh, they saying they going to check classes, but they not really about to check classes. So yeah. My first two years, uh, yeah, I went to class when I wanted to go to class. I probably shouldn't be saying that, but that's just the I know. truth. Eileen is going to listen to this. I don't know what she's going to say. But you know what's crazy? I said all this at my senior speech, so they know that I didn't go to class my first two years. But my last two years, yeah, my coach did not play. Like It was class checks like randomly, and they would be there before class like 10 minutes before class started so if you showed up on time you were late so you had to be there early so yeah my first my last two years you know I didn't miss a single class mm-hmm. yeah but yeah my first and year as far as like lifting weights and um as you mentioned <sighs> earlier the sprints I mean you can try to do stuff in high school but and nothing compares honestly in my opinion it's just unless you're actually like training with a college strength and conditioning coach or somebody who knows exactly how rigorous the training will be in college I don't think it's no way that you would just be fully prepared for a college workout like even lifting weights I had never sweated like that just lifting weights (laughs) like oh my goodness everything was just so hard the abs upper body lower body it was, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, but now I feel like a lot of high school kids now they're doing personal training, they're doing like plyometrics, right. agility. So, but sure. I definitely think that'll help a lot. But even still, I mean, I think it's just different. Or maybe it was just me, my experience, because I was just totally unprepared. No, I think I think your situation is pretty terrible right? across the board. Yeah. <laughs> Like that first conditioning session, you're like, what have I got myself into? I feel like you just reevaluate your whole life. Like, am I really supposed to be playing basketball? Like, I know. I, I remember <laughs> I, well, there were four of us coming in freshman year. And after a couple of the conditioning sessions, two of them were throwing <laughs> up in the garbage can. Wow. And I was standing there with my hands on my hips, thinking in my head, <laughs> like crying in my head, but not wanting to show it. Wanting to just curl up in a hole and die. That's exactly how it is, man. I can, I think I can, I think it was four freshmen in my class also. And yeah, after one of our conditioning sessions, my best friend, she just started crying. And I'm like, yo, are you okay? Like, why are you crying? And she was like, I don't know why. Like, <laughs> that's how tough it was. Though. Like, it's really tough. Yeah. Um, Remind me what you majored in. I started majoring in forensic science, but because of the workload and the practice schedules, I had to change that to criminal justice. Okay, that's right. Would you want to be? Well, I don't no. know. No. No. <laughs> no. You don't even have to. No. <laughs> okay. No. So post um, after basketball. Oh, go ahead. Oh well, I was just gonna say, yeah. Once you got to your senior year, like, did you know that you wanted to play after college? Oh, for sure. Um, I want to say probably when I was a junior, yeah, the coaching changed. My coach, she really just, she was a big help for me, like for my confidence, just overall. And she used to always tell me like, you're good enough to play at the next level. Cause before then I was thinking like after college, that would probably be it. Um, but yeah, she was just telling, then she was telling me like she had visions, like her visions for me. And 
even though like like she would say things like I can see you on a USA women's team and even though that might not have been like the case or it didn't come true like just hearing that it was like okay like I know I'm good enough to play at the next level and she had that much faith in me so it was like why can't I have that much faith in myself so definitely mm-hmm. after the coaching change that's when I really like had in my mind like I'm good enough to play at the next level so that's how I'm going to just approach life from now on Mm-hmm. working towards that goal to play at the next level. Yeah, that's so important to have someone believe in you like that. For sure, know? 100%. Yeah. Cuz I mean, obviously you have to believe in yourself, but if you have someone else, especially a coach, uh believing in you that helps your own self-belief so much more. Yeah, definitely. Some of the things she would say, I would look at her like, "What? Like you but yeah, just like you said, but just her believing in me that much, it definitely boosted my confidence so much. So I definitely appreciate her for that. Amazing coach. So you didn't, you weren't drafted, were you? No, I was invited to training camp. Okay. Where yeah. was that? Mystics and Indiana Fever. Okay. So you participated in two different training camps? See, that's the thing. I didn't participate in any young and dumb man young and dumb oh gosh I have not right. heard the story young and dumb okay yeah. well we don't have yep. to delve into that if you don't want to <laughs> I mean talking about it now I don't mind um one I think it was uh like an ego pride situation I felt like I should have been drafted and the mystics like I was I was talking to them I was under the impression that they were going to draft me um, my assistant coach in college is now the assistant coach for the Mystics, and his father is the head coach. I went to a combine. I had conversations with them, so I thought I was going to be drafted, but they ended up drafting a girl who was injured um, and couldn't even play that season and then called me like, do you want to come to training camp? If I knew then what I know now, obviously I would have said yes, but back then I'm like, yo, no, I'm not coming to your training camp. Like... <laughs> So, so I think that that played a part, and then also I think it was fear of the the unknown. And um, all I knew really about the WNBA and going to training camp was that a lot of girls who went to training camp didn't make a roster, and they would get they were getting cut. Even girls who were great, like hooped at, like ballers in college, were getting cut from training camp. So I was like, if I went to a WNBA training camp and I got cut, I think back then. Um, that would have really killed my confidence, like my ego, everything would have just been hurt. And I don't, I don't know how well that would have worked out for me. Um, so I think that's also a big reason why I didn't go just fear of getting cut, not knowing what to expect. So that played a part as well. So then when did you, or yeah, when did you, and how did you get an agent? Because I know a lot of young kids, like people in high school, college they'll send me messages and they'll ask like Mm -hmm. did how did you get an agent this and that and I kind of tell them what I did but what was your path um honestly I had agents reaching out to me my senior year I had a bunch of agents yeah wanting to sign me and oddly enough the agent that I'm with now is not the agent that I um he was recruiting me when I was in college but I didn't end up signing with him I signed with an American agent that my parents had, uh, they recommended him and they liked him. So against my better judgment, I went with him, but now I'm with the agent that I feel like I was supposed to be with all along. Okay. So is this your second agent? Yo, I only had two agents. The first one was fired after the first year. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's been, 
It's been, yep, I've been with the same guy ever since. Okay. Um, and now give me a list real quick. So when you graduated college, where did mm-hmm. you, play, where did you play your first professional year overseas? Grand Canaria, Spain. Okay. Grand Canaries then? Uh, second year. Hungary. 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 Yeah. Hungary. Then Logroño with you. Logroño. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Yep. And then, um, what year? Poland, uh, my best year, probably my best season. Well, best numbers. Yep, Poland, and fifth year, well, half year, Saint Andrea, and uh-huh. sixth That's year. Yep, and sixth year, well, half season, same here. And you know, in between, since 2017, after Langrano, I was going to um Angola, so I still do that in between time. Yep. So that was another question I had for you. Um, Angola. So this is an African league. You've been yeah. there for two summers or three summers now? Three summers. Three summers. Yeah, three summers. So is that specifically just a summer league? So when you finish your European league in, when do we finish? March or April, depending on how far you go in the playoffs? Yeah. That African league starts when? The African league starts probably like, well, for me, it starts like Mayish. But okay. I think the girls who are over, like, that live in Africa, I think they start, they will start, like, next month, maybe end of this month, so, like, March, April. So, it goes from, like, March to June, July. Okay. Mostly July. Yeah. July. So, they're starting, they would be starting their preseason, but you're already yeah. in season, so then by the time yeah. you get there, you're pretty much ready to play ready games. To <clears throat> yeah. Um, yep. Because I'm not familiar with the African league. I'm more familiar with the European basketball. Um, what was it like your first year going to Angola, that adjustment culturally? Um, do they speak English? Um, did you have other English speaking players with you? Um, oh my goodness. Probably one of the biggest adjustments I've ever had to make. Um, my first year there, I hated it. I was miserable, but that's because I just, I had never experienced it, so I was expecting it to be kind of like, you know how Europe is, um, but it's totally different. Like, the things that they experience out there in Africa is, is crazy, and it's nothing that I've ever had to do with. I mean, like, on a day-to-day, like, just sitting here talking to you, like, the power could go out, the water was shut off, like, and I just wouldn't have no Wi-Fi, so I couldn't contact anybody. I would have to walk to a hotel, get in contact with the boss, like, hey, I don't have any Wi-Fi. It was just it was just a lot to deal with, and um, the style of play is also very very different. They're not like really um, skilled, but they just work hard all the time. Like, yeah, it's it's a lot. And then <laughs> um, we have seven a.m. practices every day. That was probably the biggest thing that I was like, oh no, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And every practice is two hours or two and a half hours. Like, it doesn't wow. matter if we have two practices that day or, yeah. So it's a lot of work, but. Why um, do they, is there a reason why they practice at 7 a.m.? Like, are players working during the day or why? They don't, they, I don't, no, nah, some of them go to school. Well, they say they go to school. I just don't think they be wanting to come to practice, honestly. That's, yeah, <laughs> I tell them this too. I know they don't go to school, they be lying, but. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know why we practice that early. It's, I don't know. Because even the other teams in the city, they don't practice at 7 a.m. So it's, 
I don't know. Maybe my coach just likes getting up early. Is um, it really hot during the day? You know what's crazy? In the summer, our our summer is like their wintertime. So the temperature is perfect. It's like in the 60s, maybe 70s, but it's always great weather when I'm out there. It's, okay. never, it's never hot. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe that's why you practice early because of the heat. But if that's the case, that's not... That's not the reason. Well, for the, the second half of this, well, it's a summer season, and then it's also like a fall season. Um, they go from September to December for the African Championships. During that time, it get, yeah, it gets very, very hot. So practices in the morning would be ideal. But, um, yeah, in the summer, it's no, in my opinion, there's no reason to practice at 7 a.m. Okay. Hey, and I'm, when- not, I'm not the boss. When you would go to the grocery store, could you pretty much find everything there that you would back home? No, not at all. Oh, my goodness. It's hard to find things at the grocery store there. I mean, just basic things sometimes. Like, I'm what, like just like ketchup. Last summer I was out there and nobody had any ketchup. I'm like, yo, where is the ketchup? <laughs> you can, literally, you cannot find ketchup anywhere. Like, things just go scarce, like, randomly. Like salt, you might not be able to find salt one day. Like, I don't know. It's it's crazy. Fruits. Sometimes they <laughs> might have fruit. Sometimes they might not have fruit. Turkey legs, chicken wings. It just depends <laughs> on the day, man. <laughs> Seriously, it just depends on the day out there. I love it. Um, and then when you would, where was the like farthest team that you had to go travel to? Did you guys go by bus or did you fly? What? During the local league, like just for the Angolan league, is the furthest team was probably like ten minutes by bus. Oh, everything, yeah, everything is close, super close. There are that many teams in one city. Not at all. It's like four teams in the Angolan league. That's it. How many times do you play each team? Oh my goodness, like thirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's another. Oh, that's another thing that I cannot get with. Yo, if I had to play this team one more time, <laughs> right? I mean, Africa is not really that advanced, so I mean that's their that's their reality, that's their life. So for them, it's like cool because that's what they're used to. But when you come from, you know, we play in Europe, we got we played twelve or how many different teams is in the Spanish league or yeah. wherever you play, it's like at least at least ten different teams that you're going to play. So for us, it's it's like annoying. Like, yo, we just played this team, but for them, that's all they're used to. So they don't know anything different. Right. Yeah. So you played with just the teams in your city, and then you also, at the end of the season, or I don't know when you played against teams from other. Um. No, for the Angolan league, you only play in um like against Angolan teams. But for the African championships, you play for you play teams from all over, from like. Mozambique, Nigeria, wherever, like a bunch of different African countries. Okay. And you guys won yeah. that a couple of years, didn't you? Yeah, they won. We won, but last year we lost in overtime by one point. Oh. Yeah, okay. to the team from, uh, I want to say Mozambique. Yeah, Mozambique. Okay. Um, all right. Well, returning a little bit to your European experience. Um, I'm wondering, have you ever thought about the differences between the European system and the American system as far as like, you know, you think about the NBA and you think about Ricky Rubio or Luka Doncic, that they came from Europe and they had been playing against professionals ever since they were like 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. 
And by the time they get to the NBA, they're not necessarily rookies. Like Luka Doncic, he played his first game in the ACB when he was 16 years old. So he's really crazy. He's used to playing against grown men. Whereas in the United States, you know, you can't play with people older than college. You know, you can't prepare yourself for the next step because that's just not the system. Um, Have you ever thought about that? Do you... Do you wish that maybe you would have been given the chance as a young kid to play in a club where you'd be playing against professionals or would you stay with the American system? That's honestly a great, a great question. And I've really never thought about it like that. I never put that much thought into it, but um, that's a good question. Honestly, for me, I think I would prefer the American system because if I was just playing with professionals and I was about what, 14 years old, 15 I wouldn't have had the college experience. And I think the college experience is what made me like better mentally and physically. So without that, I don't think I would be the player I am today. So for guys, it might be a little different. I don't know. They might have personal trainers that train them to play against NBA guys, but I don't know. I like, I like the college system, at least going for a year or two to, you know, really hone your skills, get stronger. Cause I mean, if you're 14 going up against professional 14, 15, 16, going up against professional athletes who are much older than you, grown adults, there's going to be a noticeable difference, like in their strength, their athleticism, their speed. So I would prefer the American system the way, yeah, how we have to go to college before we can get to that next level. I think it just prepares you better, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the European system works for those individual players that are just freaks of nature, you know, exactly, like obviously, exactly. obviously for Luka Doncic, it worked well for him, but for the majority, um, as well as you, I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily neutral. I obviously <laughs> love, I love my college experience and I yeah. wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, for sure. But you've played in a lot of European teams and you've played on a lot of teams where I'm sure there were younger players on the team who were, going to school, coming to practices, they have to figure it out themselves because in Europe, it's not like your team and your college are on the same page and allowing you to go to all your classes, go to all your practices. You know, your professors don't care in Europe because they're not obligated to. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that could put the player at a disadvantage. You know, if you have professors who aren't really willing to work with your schedule, as opposed to college, I mean, it's basketball and school are like hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But like you said, over here is is different. So, and you might have professors that don't care that you're a basketball player, or coaches who don't care that you're in school. <laughs> so, right. right. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna go with the American system any day. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, here's <laughs> another question for you. Um, the European system, or at least in Spain, all the coaches have had to go through coaching courses. Like if you want to coach at the top level, there's like course one, course two, and course three. And I haven't done any of the courses yet, but um, you have like the third course, which allows you to then coach at the top level. Um, You have to turn in projects, do homework, this and that. And then I think it is during the summer, there's like a two-week obligatory time of classes where you have to go and it might be in a different city. You know, they don't offer this third coaching course just anywhere. So if you're from Logroño, you might have to go to Zaragoza or Barcelona, spend two weeks of your own vacation, 
pay for your hotel or wherever you're staying, pay for your meals every day and attend this two week course. Um, and as I've looked at different clubs that I've been on or participated in the younger teams, like all those coaches, they have been through coursework. And when I look back at my own years, like when I was in fifth and sixth grade, seventh grade, my coaches, lots of times they were just parent volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they didn't, yeah. they didn't necessarily go through like a coaching course. And sometimes like this year in Estudiantes, I see the younger girls and I see the type of coaching they're receiving. And I'm like, wow, the drills that they're doing are way better than the drills that I did when I was little, you know? Um, oh. So I think, I think on the one hand, like Europe has, they have really good coaches for really young players because it's obligatory. You can't coach unless you have one of these courses. You could be an assistant coach without having a course, but if you want to be a head coach, you have to have certain levels of these courses. Hmm. That, that's interesting to me. Cause I mean, I do feel like they're, like you said, like some parent volunteers, I feel like it's some people who just know the game just from being around the game and watching the game. They don't need to take courses like to know what to do or, what type of drills to run. They just, it's natural to them. So that's interesting that they have to go through all of that. I mean, I yeah. guess it's a good thing. Cause like you said, um, I don't know what team you just said. Studiante is like, they have coaches that are putting them through drills that you didn't even do when you were younger. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of like half for it, half against it. Cause I just, <laughs> why, why would, you know, if some people really just know how to coach, some things just can't be taught to certain people. Like, it, like it just comes naturally. And right. in the States, do you have to take all of those courses to be a coach? You don't. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. And look how many, it's some amazing coaches in the States. Like, amazing. So, uh, I don't know. I get what Europe is trying to do. I think it's really good. But at the same time, uh, I don't know if I really agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think on the one hand, it's a definite moneymaker for the like basketball federation because yeah, you, sure. have, you have to pay to participate in these courses. Of um, course. But I don't know, like when you look back to your traveling basketball days when you were in fifth and sixth grade, like who was your coach? Was it a, just a parent or was it someone? <laughs> my best friend's sister was my AAU coach. <laughs> But she used to play, so she knew the game, you know, okay. like just from being around it and just from playing it. So she was a good coach, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, I don't know if you know anything about, you know, Hungary or Poland. I'm sure they might be similar in that regard. No, I can tell you right now, judging from my coach in Poland, they don't have to take any courses. There's no <laughs> way. There is no way. They take any courses <laughs> or maybe they have to and he just paid and then and they yeah, gave him and maybe he just, like me he just didn't go to class because oh my goodness yeah <laughs> um okay well hi here's another question for you what kind of advice would you give to college age kids who are thinking about maybe embarking on a journey of you know playing professionally overseas like in order for i mean you've been playing now for what six seven years six years so that that's been a fairly long career so far. Um, what yeah. fa what factors have contributed to your success as far as your longevity? Um, first of all, I would say uh, your work ethic. Um, I think you just have to 
approach every day just with the mentality that in some way, shape, or form, you're going to get better today. You're going to grow as an athlete and as an individual. So I think your work ethic has to be up to par. Um, you have to be personable. Be open to new things. You can't be closed-minded. Because um, obviously, things, I don't know if they're planning on playing in the States or overseas, but overseas things are going to be way different than what they're used to in the States. So they can't come overseas with a closed mind and not be open or wanting to get their, wanting to get to know their teammates or just interact with other people outside of the people that they're used to interacting with on a day-to-day, other Americans. Yeah, I don't know. The work ethic one for me is kind of just the end-all, be-all. Like, you just have to be ready to work. And and that's really, that's it. Just be want, be willing to get better. And be coachable, too. Even if you think you know more than a coach, always be coachable because there's always things to learn. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's with anything. Um, What about your how do I want to word this? Like how social you are. I mean, you're far away from home. You're the time difference. Like how do you continue to be happy during your day without your best friends, without your brother, without, you know, people close to you? Like, cause that's a big part of it too. I yeah. mean, people might decide to hang it up just because they're tired of not being around their family and friends. Yeah, but I think I think it goes back to what I said about just being open-minded and being sociable and willing to communicate and get to know your teammates. I mean, now because of technology, you have ways of keeping in touch with your best friend, your siblings, your family, like people back home. Um, but while you're here overseas, I think you should do your best to get out, explore, meet new people, see new things, things that you won't have the opportunity to see in the States. Um and I know for me, that was a challenge my first few years overseas. All I wanted to do was go to practice and take naps. Like, that's it. <laughs> Don't ask me to do nothing after practice. I'm not going for coffee. I'm not doing nothing. But now it's totally different. Like, I spend a lot of time with my teammates um, outside, just walking, viewing things. Like, just really seizing every opportunity because things like this are once in a lifetime. So you don't want to just be over here miserable because you're missing stuff back in the States. And I mean, I know some people, they do hang it up because they miss back in the States. But for me, I mean, I feel like home is always going to be home. But while I'm out here in Europe, I'm going to make the most out of my time in Europe. And in Angola, it's the same. Bravo. Nice job, Robs. Ah, thank you, Leslie. I'm growing. <laughs> I'm growing, man. We we had, you know, we spent plenty of time in the car riding to and from practice together. I do yeah. have I do have to share a quick story um, that I will also never forget. Oh. Rob's, Rob's didn't give me much street cred back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and we... <laughs> you called Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> What I I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember what how that conversation were we listening to like one of her songs on the radio or I something? think her song came on the radio <laughs> yeah and Rob Rob looks at me she looks at me and she's like Halo. and then after that she, there's like a, a silence and she's like you know Jennifer Lopez I almost smacked you. I was like, you don't think I know who J-Lo is? Come on now. <laughs> I didn't know if you knew the term J-Lo or Jennifer Lopez, which one you knew her by. So I just had to clarify. Oh, gosh. But, you know, those are moments Those are moments with your teammates, you know, that you just never forget. And For here sure. we are, what, like three, four years later, and we're uh, reconnecting on this podcast. So 
Yeah, and we saw each other this past summer in London for our teammates' wedding, which was yes. amazing. Yep, Z was on the podcast. She has a, a couple months ago. I interviewed her, and we talked about her wedding. And uh, that day, I mean, that whole weekend was amazing. Amazing, man! Shout out to Z. That, yeah, that was a dope, a dope wedding for sure. Yes, I went on an early morning walk with Eileen. We had a great I time. <laughs> I couldn't go. My ankles were swollen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, we had such a good time. Oh, um, yeah, we did. Um, okay, some rapid fire questions. What okay. uh, what jersey do you number do you wear and why? Twenty four. That's just been my number since I was younger, and uh, especially now that Kobe's it, uh, I just gotta stick with it. Twenty four. I've always been successful with twenty four, so twenty four. Okay. Did you originally pick it because of him or? No, originally it was just given to me. I want to say, yeah, high school, it was given to me or I can't remember if it, I chose it or if it was given to me, but I've just always been successful wearing that number. So I'm just, it stuck with me. I got it tatted on me. I'm never going to change it. Although this year I could not wear 24 because my teammate is number 24. So I, I chose number seven because the number seven represents completion. And Kevin Durant, so that's my favorite thing. Yeah. The number, the number seven, honestly represents completion. Yeah, you know, like in the Bible, on the seventh day, ah. like everything was finished. You know. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Um, as an American, when you come overseas, what uh, food product do you have to bring with you that you can't hot live with? Hot sauce. Hot sauce. One thousand percent hot sauce. A specific brand. Red hot. Red hot, okay. Red hot. And you put yeah. that on everything or what? Everything. Literally everything. <laughs> I will not touch the food unless it has hot sauce on it. Okay. I didn't know that about you. Yes. Um, what nicknames do you have on the court? Rob. Rob. Robbie. That's it. <laughs> Rob, yeah, Robbie. <laughs> but Rob. Yeah, everybody says just Rob. Rob, okay. Well... I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? Although I did, I missed one of your uh, questions when you asked about the language in Angola. I meant to say that no, nobody speaks English. Oh. That's also kind of, yeah, it's pretty tough to deal with out there. So do you have a translator or? No, you, I mean, it's English. It's just, they either speak very, very terrible English or so I got to just figure it out or I got to learn Portuguese. So I try to, I understand Portuguese a lot better now than my first year. So that's a good thing. I didn't know they but, spoke Portuguese in Angola. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's their language. Okay. Um, okay, here's another question. When you go play overseas, uh, a lot of college students, college athletes, don't they're not aware of this. But as far as getting like a work visa or permission, um, paperwork, have you had to go through a lot of that uh, to the different countries you've played in? Um, I had to get a visa for Spain and Poland. When I was in Hungary, I had to get a citizenship card, but that all was taken care of when I arrived in Hungary. I didn't have to do anything in the States for that. But for Poland and uh, Spain, yeah, I had to do things in the States in order to get a visa to okay. fly to those because countries. Home, home for you is where? Well, Washington, Maryland. Maryland, that's right. Okay, so... Um, was is there a Spanish embassy in Maryland, or did you have Thank to go? Yeah, DC. 
right up the street. Okay. Oh, you're lucky. Uh, so lucky, far, I know. How far away is that from your house? It's like a 45-minute drive. Oh, nice. Okay, because yeah. in Minnesota, Minnesota doesn't have a Spanish embassy. I have to go to Chicago. I remember you told me that, so you have to, like, fly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you, tough. If you forget a piece of paper or if you, whatever, I mean, it's like, it's oh, not yeah, easy. tough, yeah, wow. So you had to do that for Spain and for Hungary, and then the other countries, or Spain and Poland, did you say? Mm-hmm, yep. And then the other countries, it was just different, which is always interesting to me. Like, why is it different for some countries than it is for others? You know, I have no idea why. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. Because, I mean, what other country? Well, yeah, in Hungary, I had to get a citizenship card. So I guess essentially in every country, you have to have some form of identification or a document letting them know that you've been approved to stay in that country for a certain amount of time, no right. matter where you go. Right. But when you were in Hungary, you said that you got the ID card when, when you were there. Yeah, when I was already there. Yeah, I didn't need anything leaving the States. Right. And when I was yeah. in Switzerland my first year, that was also the case. Um, we just went to uh, an official building and they got they put the sticker in my passport and I was good to go. But in Spain, yeah, it's definitely not the case. You have to go through paperwork and um, get your ducks in a row before you head over. You know, Spain is serious. Like you have to get doctor's appointments and things notarized background (laughs) yeah spain is serious i don't even think poland was that serious i don't think i had to get a doctor's appointment or anything for uh for poland i just needed some documents that they sent that the club sent to me so it was easy for poland okay um and then lastly before we close this out would you say that um like how you take care of yourself as far as your diet and whatnot has changed over the years Man, yes, definitely. Yeah? I Yeah, for sure. I used to just not care what I ate. I would eat whatever. Um, I mean, I've always not really ate, like, fast food or stuff, but I used to eat a lot of sugar. Basically, I just wouldn't be mindful of what I was eating, but now it's like I'm definitely mindful. I'm reading, like, how many calories is this? Or <laughs> I don't drink I don't drink milk with dairy. I'm you don't? cooking up. Nope, all coconut and rice milk or almond milk. I can't give up almond milk. Really? Yeah, man. Yeah, and I've why... been doing that for about two years, I would say. Why did you decide to do that? Because they say lactose is like an in it inflames your Yeah, just I mean just reading Yeah, like just learning about it, um, watching documentaries on Netflix, hearing people say that they've been feeling better without drinking um like milk with dairy. So, or is it lactose? Whatever. Yeah, just lactose-free milk. I think, yeah. and I don't, like, my body feels a lot better. I don't eat red meat. Okay. Like, once a year, I eat red meat. Cause, really? Yeah. Like, ribs or something, that's that's my weakness. Or a burger, but, yeah, it's all chicken and fish and seafood for me. And okay. So, yeah, yeah, man. Definitely would you, have been. Would you say, have you lost weight since being in Logroño? For sure. Oh my goodness. I feel like my whole body has transformed since being in Langrano. Like sometimes I have abs, man. Like ah. <laughs> Well, I just remember sure. I remember like when we were in Logroño, you've got like pretty skinny legs. And I All do right. not. 
I do not. And, and then we weighed ourselves and we were like really close to the same weight. And I'm looking at you like, where do you hide your pounds? Because I don't get it. Um, but that was, yeah, yeah, three, four years ago. So, all right. And I'm like, uh, 163 now I'm like 74 kilos. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've definitely, but I put on also like a lot of muscle. I've toned up a lot. So but my legs are, you know, still the same. <laughs> well, I will, be, I will be watching you in La Copa de la Reina, uh, uh thank which you. Is taking place this well, you guys travel tomorrow. It starts on Thursday, right? No, no, no. It starts Friday. We leave Thursday morning. Oh, you leave Thursday. Okay. Yeah. And who's well, your first game against? Uh, Tenerife. Okay. The team, the, the team we just lost to by two. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, that'll be a nice little rematch for you. Oh, it's going to be a great game. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> well, congratulations. I think this is the first time you're in La Copa de la Reina, no? Yes. And and playoffs. <laughs> Made it playoffs, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I will be watching the game and uh best of luck. You can dedicate a three pointer to me if you want, you know, you just We'll do. We'll do, Lally. <laughs> But I really appreciate your time, Robs, and I appreciate everything you shared and your openness. And, uh, you know, I I wish Hi, you the best you. of luck in the future. You know, I, This is my 12th year overseas, so you got six more wow. to go. I don't know, Lely. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's the stuff. Shout out to you, man, your, your body, because oh. that's crazy. Yeah, but I never played in the summer. I never went to Angola or anywhere like that, so. Uh... Okay. I get to rest during the summer, but yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, Robs, for your time <laughs> and safe travels and best of luck in La Copa de la Reina. Uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Right back at you. Ciao. All right. All right. That wraps up another week on another season in the books. Robin was a pleasure to talk with, and I hope you all enjoyed listening to her laugh. I know I did. She's seen a lot of the world thanks to this sport and has learned a lot about herself along the way. How many of us have a chance to live several months in Africa, play with a group of women, learn about their culture, and witness their customs? Robin advises all of the aspiring professional athletes out there to be open-minded, to work hard, and to be coachable. Thank you for your wisdom, Robs. Next week, we'll have another interview ready for all of you. However, we'll be back to speaking in Espanol as we hear from a Spanish girl who tried her luck at a college scholarship in the States. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you can find another season in the books wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, please give the program a like. And if you have suggestions or want to hear from a specific athlete, feel free to let me know and I'll see what I can do. Thanks, everyone.